0: Bereavement Room is a podcast for our community, faith and culture, featuring representative voices from across the UK. And I am your host, Kulseema Ali.
1: Hello, my name's Shireen Kerr and you're listening to the Bereavement Room Podcast. Hi, I'm James Boston and you're listening to the Bereavement Room Podcast. Hello, I'm Bafo Ababio and you're listening to Bereavement Room Podcast. Hi, I'm Jameel I'm Amerjit, and you're listening to Bereavement Room podcast. Hi, I'm Ben Akwa, and you're listening to Bereavement Room podcast. Hi, I'm Jala Amir, and you're listening to the Bereavement Room podcast.
0: Hi, I'm Chelsea Cumson, and you're listening to the Bereavement Room podcast. Hello, my name is Laura Marvin, and you are listening to the Bereavement Room podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to Bereavement Room Podcast. I'm your host, Cole Seema. How you all doing? I hope you're having a really good week. Please do DM me, write to me over on Instagram or Twitter. The handle is at bereavement room. I love hearing from you. And also, I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone that's donated to my community fundraiser. We are so close to the target. If you can spare a few quids, to help fund a season three of bereavement room in 2021 please see the link in my bio i would really really appreciate it which brings me to say that today's guest is ben aqua he is the co-host of thinking out loud podcast a podcast that explores the unspoken truths about grief, mental health, masculinity and much more. When I stumbled across Thinking Out Loud and Ben and Jermaine, I was so happy, I was like finally some representation. We need to start taking up more spaces and as soon as I came across their podcast I was like yes, brilliant, I need to speak to these guys, I need to get them in the room and so here they are. Ben today is going to be talking to me about his mum who died in June 2015, He reflects with me on what that time was like and what it continues to feel like as he progresses on with his journey. We also explore in this episode the need for more education around grief. As always, thank you so much for listening. I am your host, Colseema Ali. Hi all, welcome back to Bereavement Room Podcast. I am thrilled to say that today's guest is Ben Akwa from Thinking Out Loud Podcast. He is one half of the co-host of Thinking Out Loud. Uh, the other co-host is Jermaine and yeah, welcome to Ben. Hi Ben.
1: Hello. Hello, how are you doing? Good
0: yeah not too bad I like you not working today so yeah just taking oh, yeah. taking it easy okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah yeah thanks for having me on the show yeah things about
0: people. oh thank you so much thank you yeah. I feel really blessed that so many people are listening and the feedback I get and people writing letters and I think it's really important that we talk about these issues yeah and I just want to say like you know we'll talk about it more but I can't wait to hear more about what led you and Jermaine to create Thinking Out Loud it's such a necessary podcast platform Um, I'm so happy that you guys are in the space but before we kind of get into all the details uh, introduce yourself to all of my listeners
1: all right so I'm Ben 23, um, from I live in I live in Colliers so in Southwest London. So yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm a co-host with Jermaine for Thinking Out Loud. And uh, what made me and Jermaine start the podcast was um, we both lost our parents at a very young age, and um, we just thought our less. Think of an idea, you know, to start a podcast and and show our experiences with, with grief from with, um, with other people, and um, that we started that. Well, we planned it in last year October twenty nineteen, so that that wasn't really a thing. But now, uh, we can we just thought, let's let's start a, a podcast. Let's talk. Let's um discuss it more, you know, but with. Um, but with a podcast so Mm. that's how we started out loud and we didn't just want to make it about grief we also made it about um, masculinity mental health and bereavement so that was um, you know that's 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 what we also wanted to make it about so that we we could cater cater to um, a bigger audience
0: Yeah of course yeah and that's really really important that we have that diversity uh, within a podcast like yours just because I mean I think with grief and bereavement there's so many other things that come in between as you say with masculinity and uh, mental health there's so many other things that come in between all of that so like what what um what inspired the name of your podcast?
1: Uh, thinking out loud. So, I think me and Jermaine we thought that our, our less um, um, see how with mental health, like we keep a lot, a lot of stuff in our in our heads, and obviously we're just finding a way of how. Like I think people will find ways of how to get things out of their head because we thought of um, our um, speech bubbles, depression, anxiety, stress, and all those other things as as well, so I think that's what led us to um, the name Thinking Out Loud. Mm. A lot of people like keeping stuff in their head, but I think the more you keep it in your head, the more, you know, it's not going to, like, you won't be able to talk about, about your feelings out loud, you know, even to, like, a therapist or even a family or friend so yeah.
0: you guys you guys yep. uh brainstorm that idea i love it um i've actually read a book called thinking out loud do you know what book i'm talking about
1: um who's it by
0: rio ferdinand
1: oh wow, i don't think i've heard of that but i heard about his story with um his wife
0: yeah
1: uh, so. passed, passed away
0: yeah yeah, that's it. Yeah, so like, yeah, his wife died, I think, of cancer. And like he wrote a book called Thinking Out Loud. So like I've always really loved that title. Um and yeah, I'm still reading that book actually. It's been about six months, but I'm still reading
1: it. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't I didn't even know that he, he he named it Thinking Out Loud, you know, that's funny.
0: It is. It it really is. Um I like when I saw your podcast, I was like, oh my God, this is so good. I wonder if the, you know, Rhea Ferdinand inspired them to talk about their feelings. But obviously, you guys have your own story. So it's nothing to do with Rio Ferdinand. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah. I like when I think about how I named my podcast, yeah, I just love the name of your podcast, Thinking Out Loud. And I just think that it makes so well, much you. sense. Yeah. <laughs> like, because you, you know, it is about getting everything out. And if you do bottle it up all inside, um, you know, maybe you'll struggle to talk about your feelings. And um, yeah, really like it. Well done to you guys. Um, so how, how do you two know each other?
1: Did
0: Did you go to school together or?
1: Um no, so I think my sister, my older sister, introduced me to him. So um, he lost both of his parents um around the time of um a, a year ago i think he lost his parents in like in like i think it was he lost his dad in like early 2010 and lost his mom around uh i'm not too sure 2018 mm-hmm. if i'm right or wrong so yeah mm-hmm. um, she, um and i think he introduced me to to her through WhatsApp. So I think she just exchanged numbers. Um, she gave the number to me and I just contacted him and then we just started talking, you know, about our experiences of grief. And uh, yeah, he, he was kind of shocked at the fact that I'd, I lost both parents and I and I haven't even gotten to the age of like um, nine, at least 20. You know, so I thought it was mm-hmm. what shopped so yeah that's that's when we became friends and we we met up a lot more more often even with the podcast as well yeah yeah that's how we um started to create content
0: that's amazing ben i i think it's really great that your sister made that introduction and um, it just sounds really organic, and yeah, really lovely that you guys connected in that way, and that you've created something so beautiful out of that connection. So, I'm—I mean, we're going to be remembering your mum today because she she died in twenty fifteen.
1: Yeah, in June.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and you were, as you said, you're so young, being parentless. You were eighteen when you're when your mum passed away?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. So before we kind of get, get to that, um, I, want, I wanted to actually ask, because the grief space isn't that diverse, right? And it's only just starting to diversify. Um, before we sort of get into your story and the experiences that you've been through at such a young age... Um, Why do you think uh, black men and ethnic minority men struggle to talk about their emotions?
1: That's a good question, thanks for that. Um, So, I think it might might be to do with like, culturally, like with just how uh, we were raised in like, um, you know, I don't know, for example, I'm from Ghana, Jermaine's from Nigeria. So I think both our cultures are quite similar to each other, but I think in in their culture it's like obviously um you have the dad and then he he'll say to the son, oh don't cry, you have got to be strong. So I think showing them emotion is seen as a you know as as being weak in the family. So I think that's why we're not really as open. As we are, like you know, like even when even with grief, and, or just talking about other things in general, I think where some of them are a bit um, clo closed up, so they're not really as open to um, talking about the emotions. So I think uh, it's something that kind of needs to be bro- um, broken in a way, because obviously it does cause a bit of like chronic stress or depression or just overthinking. And obviously that isn't good if you're, you know, if you're grieving someone that that's really close to you. Mm. Yeah, I think, and, and it's also to do with like male, male, male ego as well. I think men in general, they not not showing emotion because I think it's more of an ego thing. And obviously I've, made the same mistake as well, you know. um Yeah, I think we just, we want to be seen as strong, but obviously society says our oh, men have got to be strong and um, we can't show any weakness or even emotion, otherwise we're seen as weak. But there's nothing wrong with a guy talking about his emotions. You know? Like, I think that's a really good thing and it shows that you have... Um, Courage and and that uh, you're being vulnerable, you know. I think you also need to be careful who you're vulnerable with, as well. And the um, person, and even telling the person about your problem, they they even have to be very like matured as well. In like the area of like grief, because griefs is really it's a really sensitive topic, and not not everyone has the knowledge to understand it so
0: yeah absolutely you're right it's a very misunderstood topic and not everyone has the capacity to hold, hold that space uh, which kind of brings me to ask you uh, in comparison to our white counterparts do you think that it's harder for black men and ethnic minority men in comparison to our white male counterparts is it harder to to be that open with our emotions and show that vulnerability
1: um well, another good question um i think white male i think white males does i I i've heard some of them do talk about grief but um I think white people, male, are really good. That they, they are a lot more honest and open about talking about grief more than than black men are. And I think it's also, I think it's also more of a culture thing as well. Like you know, because we're raised in, because even though we were born in the UK, but obviously our parents were raising like back home in in Ghana. Mm-hmm. I think it might, might be. It might be to do with, like, being raised in in a different environment. So I think environment also plays a a role as well when it comes to um, uh, talking about grief. Because I I think other countries will will have different uh, cultures of, of like, grief or or, or how someone grieves. So I think white males are really good at being open. About grief and their experiences as well, and um, yeah, I think me and Jerry, we also wanted to change the narrative as well of um, of grief as a black guy because I don't think we see we really see that a lot in the UK. I think Governor B, so I think he's a music artist that talks about it on um, his podcast called The Lost Tape. I think he's been very honest about grief um, when he lost his dad four years ago, and yeah, I think his I think his podcast is really really good, and also also relatable as well.
0: Hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. I think there are some cultural nuances there and we are like dual identity as you say being born in the UK but holding another identity um that also plays a big part in how we express our emotions and the environment you're so right and I guess the more podcasts there are out there platforms whatever it may be where there's people that look like us um are from where we are from um that kind of shows a representation where it feels safe to think out loud.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh
0: which kind of brings me to ask you, like, from your perspective then, what can we do to change this then?
1: Um, another well, good question.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um I think we. I think the. I think if we want to change it, it's got to start with um, having a dialogue, having a conversation with you know other people, and even going into schools, communities, and even um, talking about it on like different platforms, such as like the BBC Air TV or or Sky News, and I, and I think it's just educating people on on those platforms about. Grief as well. I feel like it's something that really needs to be taught in, in school. Cause um I know that there's gonna be a lot of like young kids, even though some of them might not be comfortable with with talking about grief, but I think it's still it's still important that we educate young people on the topic of grief, because we need we need we need to, we need to talk about it so that they're equipped. In case it does happen in the future, or or or, or at some point, because um, I wish I would have. I wish I was equipped a lot more equipped when it did happen. Because obviously, I didn't really know what what to do when it happened. So I was stuck in a in a rut with um, deep, trying to trying to be able to control my. Emotions, but instead I kind of bottled it in my head and just thought, "Now nah, you know, let me forget about this and see if it goes." But my my mental health kind of deteriorated mm. at least a year mm-hmm. or, or two after. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: and I also, and since then, I went to like therapy. So I went to therapy recently in June. So I think it finished in June, and um. Yeah, I think we just got to encourage people to bring more awareness towards grief and just just share um, stories to do with grief as much as possible.
0: We definitely need more dialogue and I think podcasting and going on, as you say, on news channels. But also you bring up a very good point about bringing it into the school environment. That's a yep. really, really good point that you've made. It needs to happen at a much younger age in the school environment, because grief doesn't just happen to elders, it happens to young people yeah. like like yourself. So yeah, I, I, have, I wholeheartedly agree with you about bringing this training and speakers into school and you know do you think that's something you and Jermaine will do in the future do you think you'd want to go into a school and talk about your experiences?
1: Yeah hopefully if yeah like that's something that we've definitely planned like you know um taking thinking out loud even into like the public as well like obviously I hope to do that in in the future and to just educate you know young and old on the, on the topic of grief and um depends what school, <laughs> if if they do let us then to talk about grief then yeah we'll, we'll definitely take that opportunity and, and use it to the best of our ability.
0: Mm. Yeah I, I think it's a really great idea and um because you guys have got your podcast you know you could go back to your old school that's if you want to go back to your old school <laughs> And uh, that could be a good place to start. I know lots of people that are um, like my former guests that have been on the show uh, on bereavement room that have said that they went back to their old school to talk about their experiences. Uh, and yeah, that could be an idea. So, so, so that kind of brings me on to talk about your mum. Now your mum passed away uh, in 2015 June, as you mentioned, yep. she was in hospital and before we kind of get into all the emotions and what happened and stuff, like, what was your mum like, Ben? You know, what, what was your relationship like with your mum?
1: Well, my mum was really funny. So she was, um, she was a gospel artist. And um, she, she was also, she owned like a hairdressing shop as well. So she was really into like um, hair and, and beauty. Uh, yeah, my mum was really funny. She was very, um, she's not that not too serious, too um, not serious. So yes, yeah, she was kind of in the middle. Um, yeah, she 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 was a really you know, my mum was a really likable person. Everyone loved her, friends, family, you know, and even work colleagues as well. Um, yeah, and she was just really vibrant, you know, happy, cheerful
0: it's lovely how you speak of her Uh, it's really lovely to hear that and kind of you know I know it's really difficult because it's not always easy to talk about these things but I know that you go to therapy and um, it's probably maybe a bit more easier to talk about it now Um, start where you want to start but kind of this this is a kind of look back on what happened, like on on the day that you found out your mum was ill, kind of where were you and what did that look like for you?
1: Um, So June 2015, so I remember being in college, so I I was doing my sports science course and um, her health wasn't really as good in... Around like the springtime, so like this was in between April, May, and june, so um she was having kidney problems so she couldn't eat food properly or or this or even like just munch on on food so I think she she was she said that her kidneys were were hurting, so I think she went to the hospital a lot more often and I would always go go and visit her daily like. You know, because that's where she was around the time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then, obviously, on 21st of June, I mean, I mean, I think, when it, well, before that, I think they wanted to discuss with my family if, um, if she should take an operation just to fix the kidney. But the only problem was that, that there was a high risk that she wouldn't make it if she did take the operation. So um, yeah, my sisters and my aunt and another aunt as well, and uncle we're, were all talking about it, discussing to see if if it was the right um, choice to make. Um, so then my mom said, "Oh, you know let's, let us let, let's, let's do this operation." And then obviously, um, I think it was on the 20th of June. Or twenty first, so obviously I went. I went to the and I went to the hospital on that morning of twenty first of June, and um, yeah, I think it was around two p.m. or three p.m. And um, yeah, she passed away, like she didn't make it after the operation. You know, and I remember sitting down in the waiting waiting room, and I think two people were. Uh, pushing, back. I think it's one of those things that you when you lie down on the bed that they were pushing it into the operation room and I thought, am I am I ever going to see her for the last, is this going to be the last time that, that I'll see my mum? And then obviously, yeah, that, that was probably, that was the case. And then obviously um the doctor came Two hours later when we were sitting, and then obviously they said oh I'm sorry that um, your mom didn't make it, she's dead. And then next minute everyone just started shouting, crying, screaming. And I remember literally going in into the toilet and I was I just kicked the bin in so much hunger, like that's probably the the, the most ang- probably the most ang- angry that I've ever been in my life, because I was confused and I didn't know why this happened. Like why did, why my mom, you know, why did I, why do I deserve this, you know? And even the fact that I lost my dad in 2009 as well, it's like five years later, it's, and I lose my mom. And obviously, you know, people do strange things when, you know, uh, when they lose their parent or friend, like they, they'll probably blame god or they'll blame a family member or even a friend about why this happened but obviously um yeah that's when life interrupted <laughs> and you know mm. and i remember this i remember going into the room obviously they said that oh we could see our mom now but obviously the environment of the place was just so different you know like i think we I remember just us all this crying, you know, together, and we were so devastated, you know, the fact that we lost, you know, our, our, our close parent, you know, and um, yeah, I, I, I just remember crying on like, on my mum's lap, on the lap, literally, like I couldn't believe it that you know I lost I lost my mum, you know, and um, yeah, we were there for a couple of hours and then. Left at eight o'clock, eight pm in the evening. Like I remember just walking in just like literally crying angry. And obviously, when I I called my friend, like my one of my closest friends called Jaden, I called him and I said oh I lost my mum, you know, and obviously mm. he couldn't believe it as well. And obviously um, I think my sister called Anita so she said that I'll oh, just call your friend to go in like just stay there and just relax for a couple of hours so I went to my friend's house and obviously he he took me in you know like I told him about what happened and obviously um, he knew that I was really really upset you know like the fact that I lost my mum and then um a couple of hours as well. Like I went back home and obviously I stayed at my cousin's and my aunt, um, Auntie Shirley. Yeah, so I stayed at her home um, in Welling. So that's like in, in in Bexley. So I stayed there for a couple of, at least one week I stayed there and obviously I called my college, I said, oh, I can't make it this week. I need a, a bit of space to take, um, yeah, in my college. Um, gave me a week, and obviously that was the the next day in a home. And I remember just telling my, my cousins, Michael and Paul, um, that are, you know, they couldn't believe it as well. Like they, they lost uh, someone in their family close to them as well. And I can, I can just tell that my, my aunt was really, really upset. Like she just wasn't herself. Like it was a really quiet environment like, in which I remember. Um, like it, it just wasn't, it, it, it just didn't, it, the environment just didn't sit well, you know. Hmm. It's tough. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I remember just sitting there in in, in silence. I didn't say one word, like the only thing that I'd probably say is oh, I'm going out to the shop and you know that's it, and I came back and that was it
0: that, you know thank you so much for sharing you know what that looked like for you at that point um it's such a hard like You know I have no words it's just so difficult to process something like that especially when you're in college so young um which kind of brings me to ask I don't know if you know but like why was it a high risk did they did they say why it was high risk or
1: um I'm trying to remember back then so I think they said that it was a high risk because obviously it was the possibility that it wasn't going to go right. Like it wasn't the operation wasn't going to be successful to 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 replace the kidney. So I think that's why they said that, or you know, that the operation will be done, but there'll be a risk that, or you know, she won't make it alive. So I think that's what they told us
0: yeah I've I'm this you know I've had a lot of dealings with hospitals in my own experiences of bereavement with my parents Mm. passing away and I just I question anything any medic says Uh, and I think particularly if you come from an an ethnic minority background or, or black right that I don't know I just don't trust the medics and the hospitals all the time so I always just like for me I need to ask all the questions so that I fully understand because I don't speak medical terminology so I just you know I I always question things not because I'm being like super suspicious but I just want to make sure that I know all my rights yeah and I I mean I'm you know I'm, I'm just asking because I they always say something's high risk and I'm I just you know wonder what that means um which kind of like you know you had one week off college uh was that enough for you do you think at the time or were you happy to kind of go back to college as quickly as possible
1: um yeah I was I, 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 I wanted to go back to be honest I, did, I only took one week off because obviously um I needed a bit of space to just take a bit of time off to get my mind off things um because it happened around the time where it was getting towards the end of like college. So I think, uh, yeah, I, I, I just needed to take time off. Yeah,
0: was uh, important, important. It's important. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that space and time when you're in education or working, is it's really important that you get that sufficient time off. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah that's true, yeah.
0: Yeah, to deal with things. And, I mean, what was the funeral like? You know, uh, th- were you part of all the arrangements? Did you deliver a, a eulogy? Did you have a Ghanaian funeral? What did that look like?
1: Um, so, we... I think we had... It was more of a traditional thing, so it was both... To be honest, like, um, I, it was some some of her... My mum's friends came, like, obviously they knew the news that um she passed away and obviously... Uh, some of her friends came and just paid their respects, um, and even some of my friends as well even came to um just be there for support. And um they could tell that I wasn't really myself back then because obviously, um I don't know. I think when it comes to grief, I don't think some people know how to um comfort someone that's lost apparent because obviously then they're, they're not really equipped or they don't really know what to say to the person that's grieving and um yeah I just remember sitting there in, in silence Um, I think I gave us I might have given a speech of my, my with my two sisters I'm just trying to remember back then yeah 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 I think I, I just remember going there in in, in in the evening, um, I don't think the coffin. Was, I don't think the coffin, in the coffin was there. So I think that happened um, when we buried her mm-hmm. in um, mm-hmm. in the cemetery. Um, yeah, it was more of a traditional, like you know, Ghanaian funeral. And uh, we didn't go back to Ghana to like to do anything there because obviously it happened in it happened in the UK. Everything was done in the UK, and uh, yeah, I just I just felt like I didn't want to be there if I'm if I'm being honest with you, um, because obviously there's certain people I saw that came that I haven't seen for a really, really really long time. So I think it's weird how when someone dies, it's like everyone cares all all of a sudden about the person, you know, but it's like they weren't there from from day one. You know, like I think I'm trying to be a bit careful that I don't want to talk about other people as well, but it's like some people will, will pretend to like someone, but until they're gone, it's like, They'll talk about how, how much they knew the person or, you know, or, or just like, or that they were their best friend or something. I think that also played a bit of a role as well. Um, I
0: can I can definitely relate to that. I, I, I get it. You don't want to speak bad of people, but that's the truth. <laughs> you know, it's your truth of your experience that people will put on a performance
1: <laughs> you know, yeah.
0: that's how I describe it. Like it's a massive performance, and they just, you know, they turn up all of a sudden, or they turn up for five minutes, and then you don't hear from them again.
1: Yeah, that's really common. When when you lose someone, it's like even even after the even after the funeral as well, it's like early probably one or five people have managed to even like keep keep in contact with me. Like since since then, you know, and I really appreciate those those people because obviously, you know, like they were there for me since s- since day one, and obviously not many people, you know, like would even be able to ask for how you're doing, you know, like even just saying a simple hello or just, you know, or let's let's go out for a meal, or something. It's like you know. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get offended personally if if no one, you know, does text you to see how I am because it's, it's fine. I'm not going to force you, you know, for them to text me, you know, to see how I'm doing. It's like, if you want to do it, just just do it, but don't, you know, do it and then complain about why, you know, you're trying to, you know, why they're trying to help, you know yeah
0: he 's so much younger than I am. You are very, very understanding because I think when my mum died, oh my God, like I was not happy with a lot of people, but it was like my first experience of like loss in my immediate family and I just think the reactions from my friends because I was someone back then that was so extroverted you know life and soul of the party used to having hundreds of people around me and then suddenly when my mum died all of these people just fell away because they didn't know what to say or how to act and that really upset me and I and I get it's really important that we don't have that expectation actually because you just put it really nicely there that It's, it's, you know, if they're going to text you, they'll text you, but there's no point getting upset about it, which took me ages to learn. And you're so right. There's just certain boundaries that you have to have in place. And um, yeah, I think you go about it the right way. You went about it the right way. Whereas I got really angry (laughs) back then, Mm -hmm. 10 years ago. I was like, oh my God, you know, they betrayed me. They're not real friends and stuff like that.
1: You know, so have they? So, so did your friends experience grief, or was it more of this um, that they didn't really know what to say?
0: So, I, a lot of it was they didn't know what to say, and because I was only in my twenties back then, that none of them had experienced it themselves, so they were just very shocked. Uh, how quickly my mum died because she died within a six-week diagnosis oh, right,
1: yeah.
0: of cancer. So they, were, everyone was just really shocked and they didn't know what to say or do. And also, I had become... When you're like a party animal and, you know, quite extroverted and just, you know, always going out all the time and having a lit time, as people like to put it nowadays, having a yeah. lit time. I was that girl. I liked having a lit time. But when my mum died... There was no lit time. It was like back down to reality. Death is everywhere. And, um, you know, my mum had just died. So I was like, no, you're not gonna get party animal colsuma. Like this girl does not exist. Like I lost my confidence.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, Something died inside of me when my mum died. So the friendship thing I think it's a mixture of what you say. They're not educated to know what to say. But, but sometimes I think it's common sense. Don't you think it's common sense?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it, it, it is that, you know, in a way. Like, obviously, I even went through depression as well. Like That's one bit I forgot to um, add on as well. Like I had, like, seven, at least nearly a year of, of, of depression around the time, so... I didn't really tell anyone that I was depressed, but, you know, I was, like, I didn't really, I just, I just didn't want to tell anyone, you know, because, you know, when you're depressed and, you're, and it's like, oh, you don't want to bother that, you know, that person, you know, mm-hmm. you know, the, or, yeah, this family or friend, like, just to bother them out of their day to say, oh, that, that you're depressed, you know, you know.
0: Yeah, so almost like you don't want to burden anyone, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, and also when you're depressed, because I know I have been there in the past, after my mum passed as well, and when you're depressed you can't even find the language to articulate how you're feeling. Yeah. Anyway, so you're not going to be the first person to say to people, it's even hard to say that you're depressed when you are depressed.
1: Yeah, that's right. (laughs)
0: So how did you deal with that? You know, after the funeral, like you said goodbye, you had, uh, you know, a funeral here in the UK uh, with some traditions and you, you 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 said something with your sisters. Uh, you delivered like a eulogy, a message. Um, kind of, did you have a wake after? And what, you know, what was after like for you?
1: After... Um... Um, grief, So uh, to be honest, um, I just got on with life, you know, and I know that sounds like a bad thing to, 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 to say, or, you know, because I didn't confront my emotions quickly. Like it happened in late 2019. So obviously that was probably around the time when I actually, the grief even worse, and um, yeah, I think I just uh, um, I remember I think I applied for a job in innandez, but it was more of um part- time um I was just trying to focus my mind on on other stuff while, while I was going to while I was doing my sports science in in college and um yeah, that's I remember getting a job around, it was in, Nandas was in September 2015 so I realised I, I had to grow, grow up really really quickly because I lost both parents and I thought I need to apply for jobs, I need to help pay the, the rent, the bills and and yeah, help out around the house.
0: So, so you're oh. like that man of the house, you know, it's like growing up too fast isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. I had no choice to go to, to, to you know, like to grow up. I, I literally had to do it because I had no parents. So that was uh, my mum was probably so now um the responsibility is probably on on all of us now to just help out with, with the house and we weren't we weren't really prepared for that because obviously um, the parts in a way happened really, really quickly. So and we and we had no choice to grow, to grow up quickly, and obviously not many people know what it's like to ha- to have that kind of responsibility. You know.
0: Yes, it's tough. It's it's a, it's a, it's like learning to live again.
1: Yeah, like yeah, that.
0: And you know you're at 18 you're still growing and you know you're such a young adult you're still a teenager essentially um you're learning to you know what you should be really doing is just enjoying your life and being carefree but then life happens and so many things change dynamics change as you say you have to financially help out with rent and food and you just grow up before your time and i yeah but you know, I, like, are you proud of who you are and how far you've come, and the fact that you have had to grow up before your time?
1: Yeah, I probably say it was an experience. Like, it was an experience as well. Like you know, it, it taught me. I think grief, grief has taught me to um, be open to other people and even share my story, as well as my ex- experiences of people that have lost, like. A close friend, family, a business, or even a, a pet. So I think my, the, the grief has allowed me to be open and vulnerable with um with other uh, individuals mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. have lost someone. So I'm a, I'm a lot more stronger now, mentally, physically, spiritually as well as a person. So I think. I've learned a lot in the past five years um, as a young man.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you're helping so many people by being vulnerable and sharing your story and being there for people that we we you probably don't even realise it. And through the podcast that you've created with Jermaine, there's just going to be so many people that see what you do and hear your story here today that are listening now that will draw so much solace and strength from what you're saying. So you talked a lot about therapy and I know you've been to talking therapies. So what was Mm. support like for you? You know, what did therapy look like for you? What was the process? How did it all come together after your mum died?
1: Um, So I called um, them Uplift, so they're like a mental health um, organization. Um, I called to see if I could get one-to-one, you know, therapy with a a therapist. And this was for like eight weeks. So I started this in early May and I finished in late June 2020. Um, Yeah, I think therapy was was really, really good. You know, it made me really question my... um, what, was, what were in my thoughts um, as as well as my confidence, my self-esteem and um, motivation. Um, yeah, it, it made me really self-reflect a lot about um, how I got all my emotions up and I think with therapy you've got to be very, very open about things that you don't you usually talk about with your therapist. So I think, yeah, and I, think it, I think it depends on um, if therapy is for you or not, because I've heard that it, it, it doesn't necessarily work for everyone, because obviously I know that some people aren't going to be able to afford certain, like, therapy. But I got this through the NHS fund, so that was see uh um the N- the NHs and um yeah I, th- I thought it was really really great, you know like paul and Paul was really friendly, very open and very um uh, transparent as well yeah, we got on well, you know and um I felt like I learned a lot about myself in like in the, in the past eight eight weeks of of therapy. So it's definitely something that I'll definitely recommend to anyone that's bottling that's bottling any depression, grief, stress, or or even relationships as well. That's something I definitely recommend.
0: Absolutely. I agree with you. I, I think therapy is um it is a personal choice and uh, I, I would recommend people at least try it. If you don't like it, you can just say, nah, this isn't for me. Um, yeah. But I, it also does depend on the connection. As you say, you had a connection with your therapist and, and that really is important.
1: Yeah, it's very important because I think some people um, might not like their therapist based on how they come across. So obviously some of them might come across as aggressive or, or calm. I think paul was really really he was a really calm therapist so obviously you know I, I i spoke to him about what 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 got him into therapy and this you know like and he's like he's really really passionate about about what he does for his like patients as well so i thought that was really really good to hear his story mm. yeah it's it's good to know what
0: Um, why therapists do what they do actually and even how they got into how they help their patients and why and why they care and I I do want to ask you a question and it's okay if you don't want to answer it but um, is your therapist white or uh, did you specifically ask for like a male or female or a black therapist or was it just whoever was allocated to you at the time
1: uh he was white, but yeah, he was. It was also t- he was available as well, mm. the session as well. Yep. Yeah, so.
0: Okay. Does that matter to you? Because the only reason I'm asking is because like I've interviewed so many people on Bereavement Room where we have talked yep. about therapy, and they've said, you know, for me it's really important that I have a black therapist so they understand the black experience, and it's the same for anyone that identifies as Pakistani or. Bangladeshi where they've said you know I I tried to have a white therapist and it just didn't work for me they didn't understand where I'm from and I I had to go back and research a Pakistani therapist so I, I just oh. yeah so that's kind of you know that's a that is really important for so many people so I'm just curious to know have you ever had a black therapist in the past is it something that you care about or it, it doesn't matter because you had this connection with this therapist and that's all that matters for you.
1: Um, I felt, I I felt like I had a connection in in, in a way, even though we went from the same background, he still, you know, like managed to understand, um, losing my mom and just dealing with my, my thoughts as well. And, um, I guess not everyone um is gonna be able to relate to their therapist if if they are why because obviously they, they both come from different, you know, cultures, so obviously the cultures are going there's gonna be a bit of a culture class clash with um, with someone. Yeah, I thought like I I got on well with him, so I I don't think there was really any issues with with um Paul.
0: Uh, you speak the same language and the connection is all that matters at the end of the day. Um, And it's what works for you. So yeah, um, that's the most important thing and the only thing that matters. And I'm really happy that you've had such a good experience in therapy because you know, there's, there's so many people that haven't and I haven't. And it's taken me a long time to even find a therapist that I, uh, (laughs) Can speak my language, do you know what I mean? (laughs) Um, (laughs)
1: um,
0: But I'm just really pleased that you did. And I'm because I've just heard so much from like black and ethnic minorities, uh, just because that's what I focus on my podcast. I just want to understand what the nuances are and what the barriers are and the challenges. And I'm so happy that you've had a really good experience. And now that those therapy sessions have finished, are you going to? continue to take up more therapy in the future or you're okay for now and see how you go
1: i'm okay for now you know i think if something else come up then yeah i'll definitely call them up again um this time so yeah i definitely recommend that to anyone as well you know i think it was more of a one-to-one so we didn't meet up physically but it was through um the phone because obviously um COVID-19, COVID-19 came, so obviously uh, all all the um, sessions had to be done on, on the phone.
0: Brilliant, Ben. Thank, thank you for sharing your experiences of therapy, and I hope all of the listeners um, that have tuned in today, I um, hope you get some value from that. I, I definitely did, so thank you. Um, what do you struggle with the most in your grief?
1: My grief. Um, What's what your biggest struggle? struggle?
0: Yeah.
1: Probably I would say is having empathy towards other people that have lost someone. I think empathy is really important to understand or to be in, in that person's footsteps because you've got to know, you need to know what it's like being in someone's footsteps when they've lost someone. Like, what, what would they do in, in that? In that situation, how would you confront um, what someone is going through? So I think so- that's something that I definitely sh- struggle the most. But it's also important that people need to have em- empathy for others.
0: Mm, and what is and then that kind of takes me on to ask you: What is the one thing you want people to know about grief?
1: That anyone can can grieve any way. Like it doesn't matter who you are, you know. Like take your grief takes time. Um, it takes patience as well. So obviously, not everyone will um, grieve the same way, and it can even take a lifetime as well. So I think grief is very complex, um, but it's something that obviously needs to be. Um, talked about the most like people need to to find to research ways of of how to interact with someone that 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 has lost someone. Um, so I think yeah this people need to uh, educate themselves on grief.
0: Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. I think education is the key theme today, which now kind of brings me on how can my listeners find you on social media before we move to the Gratefulness Challenge?
1: So I'm on Instagram, on Aqua underscore. And um, I kind of use Instagram and that's it, even though I I have Twitter, but I don't really tweet as much. I just retweet a lot of stuff.
0: And uh, on your podcast, what's the handle for Thinking Out Loud?
1: Oh yeah, um, our podcast is uh, Thinking Out Loud pod on the school. And uh, you can, they can, people can also follow us on Spotify and Apple, so they can subscribe as well all the latest episodes
0: amazing thank you I've I've been uh listening to your podcast I am subscribed so to everyone that's listening even if you're subscribed oh, to my cool. podcast you can subscribe yeah. to thinking out loud as well yeah. um we're all in this together so.
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> we're all part listening. of the same team <laughs> um so yeah this is a gratefulness challenge now Ben do you know what the gratefulness challenge is
1: um no I don't could you Describe it, please.
0: (laughs) Yeah, of course. Uh, So a couple of years ago, I took part in a 30-day gratefulness challenge on Instagram where I had to say one thing I was grateful for every day and post it. Now, during that time, I was going through a difficult period in my life because my brother had just died. So um, I think it helped me to just put in a diary what I'm grateful for, to practice gratitude. Yeah. And since launching Bereavement Room Podcast, I now always end the podcast with a gratefulness message. So you, in the here and now, it's just you and I saying what we're grateful for. So um, I'll go first, just to give you a sure. few minutes to think about it.
1: Sure.
0: Um, so I haven't pre-planned anything, but I would say that um, I am grateful for the grief community you know connecting with people uh, such as yourself and Jermaine and so many others uh, where I just feel that you know during a time where I felt really isolated back then when my mum died 10 years ago and then after my brother died a couple of years ago you know there was just so much isolation in my grief and now I guess I don't feel so alone now because i realized since podcasting i'm not alone and i'm not the only one that's experienced discriminations and um, loss of friendships and i'm just grateful that when i need it the most i can connect with people like yourself and just so many others that are running podcasts resources grief guides um you know events zoom sessions just really grateful to everyone for everything that they contribute and yeah just thank you to the grief community i'm i'm super grateful i'll pass the mic over to you
1: all right thanks that was really great um gratitude uh, yeah i'm really really grateful that uh, we started this podcast and obviously it's helping and it's changing a, a lot of people's lives so um, Thinking out loud, I feel feel like that with uh, our situation, we instantly connected with other people that are also grieving as well. So there was already a connection there already um, because we've lost someone personally close to us. So yeah, we really, we instantly just got along with each other. um, also grateful to God as well. Obviously, I, I, you know I'm I'm a Christian as well. You know I thank God that you know, he's given me the opportunity to even talk about um, our story with grief, and um, as well I thank my family as well, my friends, and just everyone that's supporting us, even with um, thinking with the Thinking Out Loud podcast and yeah
0: well that was ben aqua from thinking out loud podcast let's wish him a lot of love and continued success with thinking out loud go take a listen it's a very very good podcast well that's it folks until next time thank you so much for listening take good care of yourself i am your host Colseema ali